your kids chime in a little too much during adult conversations, would you like to help them learn the value of listening more and talking less? Then we're so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard and another episode of Ask Ginger. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to help support our ministry, one way you can do that is by purchasing Ginger's resources directly from her website instead of other online retailers. And stay tuned until the end of this episode to receive a discount code on your purchase at gingerhubbard.com. Another great way to support our ministry is by helping us get the word out to other parents by subscribing to our podcast and leaving a rating or review wherever you listen. Thank you so much for your support, listeners. This enables us to further our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. I don't know about you, but I just love waking up in the morning, curling up in my comfy chair with a warm cup of coffee and reading the daily news. Did you just tense up? Because I did. Honestly, I sense myself wanting to avoid the news at all costs and shield my children from it as well. But what if there was a better way to be informed without being disheartened? Well, that's exactly what I love about the world and everything in it. This podcast from World News Group is my favorite source for current events because I can get sound journalism from a Christian worldview without the hysteria, the chaos, and the stress. As one of Apple Podcasts' top 100 news programs, they deliver essential headlines, field reporting, interviews, and expert analysis every weekday. Search for The World and Everything in It wherever you get your podcasts. Well, we are so grateful to all of our listeners, and we want to share a few reviews we recently received. Kiona shared this. Thank you for encouraging me to get my own heart right before expecting my children to listen to me. And Adela writes this. I just finished listening to my first podcast from you ladies. I am thankful for your wisdom and how you point to the word and to seek God's guidance. Thank you. We'd also like to thank Angelica Johnson and Ashley Jordan for their generous donations and support of this podcast over the past year. Well, Ginger, our first question today comes from Anna in France. Oh, well, let me just stop you right there, Katie. Anna, France is on my bucket list, so I have this great idea. How about I stay with you for a week and we'll solve (laughs) all the problems of the world together? Yeah, so Ginger, I'd pay your airfare and mine just to hear you speak Alabamian French. Like, je m'appelle Ginger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that could be a problem. Katie, did I ever tell you about the time that I spoke in Mexico? No. Okay, so (laughs) no one, this is hilarious, no one in the church spoke English except the pastor. And so he had to do all the interpreting for me. And to say he had his work cut out for him. Bless him. Definitely be an understatement (laughs) between my Southern accent and some of the off the wall phrases I use, like madder than a wet hen and hold your horses. It was pretty (laughs) hilarious and and probably a little bit confusing for all. (laughs) And the pastor did his best to improvise, but several times he would stop mid sentence and look over at me and say, wait, what? (laughs) 
know. It was so distracting. I do that too. I, I don't speak ginger either. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just as Southern as you. So we, we work together. That's right. Well, Anna writes this. I have a question on how to teach children when and what it is appropriate to speak. My children, all six and under, are very talkative and love to interact with adults. So oftentimes they kind of end up as the center of attention at the dinner table or when I have guests and friends over. Even if they are not the center of attention, I still feel they share or talk too much. Guests don't seem to mind, but I find it inappropriate. I'd rather have them share less and listen more to conversations to gain wisdom or to go and play for themselves. For me, it is difficult to draw a clear line as to when it is too much. Also, how do I teach them to speak less and evaluate beforehand if it is something really important or meaningful to contribute to the conversation? I'm just being honest. I have that same problem with myself. (laughs) I also don't want to just shut them down. First of all, because I don't want to discourage them and make them feel they are not heard but also because I think it is valuable if children are able to interact with adults. As you probably see, I even have difficulties pinpointing exactly what the problem here is. That's also why it is hard for me to set clear boundaries or communicate clear expectations. I am very thankful for your wisdom on that and for your insights and thoughts. Well, the biggest concern with excessive talking is that the Bible clearly warns that it leads to sin. Proverbs 10, 19 says, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. In other words, the less we say, the better chance we have of not sinning. I know that's certainly been true in my life. Mm. The more I talk, the more likely I am to put my foot in my mouth and say something sinful that I regret later, whether it's something about myself or someone else. It's always wise to think before we speak, which is exactly what we're told to do in Proverbs 15, 28. That verse says, the heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Also, I think it was Abraham Lincoln who understood the social value of remaining silent instead of rambling on and on with too many words. He said this, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak out and remove all doubt. I love that. I know that's such a good quote. Mm -hmm. That's a lesson I've learned the hard way too many times uh, that I actually care to admit, Katie. But enough about confessing all of my sins and moments of (laughs) excessive and foolish talk. Let's look at what might be at the heart of excessive talking in children, especially younger children, as our friend Anna is asking about. Like you said, Anna, excessive talking could just be a way of getting attention, in which case you could address it as an issue of selfishness and help your kids understand that excessive talking is self-serving, whereas listening is a way to serve others. To listen more and talk less is a great way to put the needs of others above our own, which is something that God commands us to do. Being a good listener is just as important as being a good communicator because it shows love and respect for others. Excessive talking can also be an addiction, just like excessive eating or excessive drinking or excessive entertainment. Overindulgence in almost anything can lead to unhealthy addictions. 1 Timothy 6, 17 says, God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. 
and that includes the gift of gab. But God also commands us to use self-control, which enables us to enjoy his good gifts, but not to the point that they rule our lives, not to the point that we become enslaved to them. It's okay to find pleasure in talking, but when pleasures become addictions, they become idols of the heart. Proverbs 21, 17 and 2 Timothy 3, 4 warns about people being lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's why God calls us to govern the pleasures he gives us with self-control. In Titus 2, 12, we're told to live self-controlled lives, and that includes having self-control with talking. So Anna, talk to your kids about this wonderful gift of talking that God has given them and how they can use it wisely. You might say something like, honey, God has given you the gift of communicating and his will is to use that gift for good. I love to hear you talk about things you're feeling and thinking, but God also says you are to have self-control and not overindulge in the gifts he's given you. And go ahead and talk about the hard issues behind excessive talking, which are selfishness and idolatry. And you're right, Anna, you don't want to discourage your kids by shutting them down or making them feel unheard or undervalued. But we're told in Ecclesiastes 3, 7, that there is a time to speak And there's also a time to remain silent. And so the goal is to help children find that balance. Well, Ginger, you have four tips to help parents help their children find the balance between enjoying God's gift of talking while using that gift to serve others for His glory. So what is your first tip? Well, the first two tips I actually got from Anna. I love it when you guys write in and basically answer your own questions. (laughs) I feel like sometimes I'm just a sounding board, and I love that because it makes my job so much easier. Anna, you wrote about the importance of setting clear boundaries and communicating clear expectations. So in order to do that, you might say something like, sweetheart, the Mitchells are joining us for dinner tonight. And I know how much you enjoy talking with them. And we all certainly enjoy your company and hearing what you have to say. But I want us also to serve our friends well by being good listeners tonight. Being a good listener means using self-control with your words. It means that you care more about what others have to say than what you have to say. The Bible says there's a time to speak and a time to be silent for a reason. One of those reasons is that when you stop talking, it gives the other person's brain time to rest. It also gives others a chance to speak, which shows love and respect for them. One way to help kids who struggle with excessive talking to have self-control is to require them to place their hand on your arm and wait for you to give them permission to speak. And while they're waiting with their hand on your arm, I encourage you to teach them to implement the second tip I got from you, Anna, and that's to evaluate beforehand if what they're about to contribute to the conversation is important or meaningful. It is such a good idea to start training children early on how to be good good communicators. And Anna's children are quite young. I think she said six and under, Um, especially kids who are naturally more talkative. And I'm pretty sure I've said to one of my kids that they were holding us hostage in a conversation. (laughs) Uh, Basically, we all sit there while this child goes from topic to topic without taking a breath. And that might not have been the most tactful way to describe the situation. But I do think there's a general lack of awareness with both children and adults who are prone 
to excessive mm-hmm. talking. So mm-hmm. talking to them before your guests arrive about how they can serve others by listening more and talking less and teach them to place their hand on your arm and wait for permission to speak while considering if what they have to say will be beneficial to the conversation. Uh, Ginger, what's your third tip? My third tip is to teach them to become better listeners by asking questions, Mm. just simple questions like, what's your favorite thing about your job, Mr. Mitchell? Or where does your family like to go for vacation, Mrs. Mitchell? Preparing kids who struggle with excessive talking beforehand by providing them with a plan can really help them to get it under control. So maybe come up with and discuss some good questions they could ask around the dinner table before the guests arrive. I love this idea because it will make the child feel like they're a valuable part of the conversation without encouraging them to make it all about themselves or whatever video game or toy or whatever it is that they become so <laughs> fixated on. They want to tell everybody about it for 25 minutes. Um, I was that child, by the way. <laughs> uh, but maybe with my child who struggles in this particular area, I would take it a step further and ask them to share with us after the Mitchells leave what they learned about them. You know, mm. what, what did you learn about this family who was here? Yeah, because that proves if they really are listening. That's really good, Katie, because that shifts their thinking from self to others. Mm-hmm. And let me just add here that there is nothing wrong with excusing kids from the room and having a little adult-only conversation time. And again, it's wise for parents to prepare children ahead of time so that they know what to expect. So maybe after dessert, when you move to the living room, maybe that could be their cue to go find something to do on their own. And go ahead and set a plan for something they can do on their own, such as listening to an audiobook or reading. Setting clear expectations and boundaries beforehand can make such a difference. Okay, I'm going to share again something I learned from the book called Are My Kids on Track, which is so practical and helpful. Uh, the authors of this book have some great ideas for how to teach kids to learn reciprocity, which is what this question is really about. How do we teach our kids to stop talking and actually listen to others when they talk? One idea I loved was to toss a ball or a beanbag back and forth during conversations, like not when your guests are over, but maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. other times before your guests arrive. And only the person holding the beanbag can speak. And then they must think of a question to ask another person when they toss it back. So they also suggested a timer for kids who truly have a difficult time reading nonverbal cues or knowing when to wrap things up. Um, Another suggestion in the book was to observe strangers in a park or a shopping mall from a distance and take turns guessing what their conversation is about just based on their body language. This helps the child learn to understand nonverbal cues. I love this idea. And actually, this was something my mom, unknowingly, my mom and I would do this all the time when I was growing up. (laughs) Uh, Another idea is to play a game that they call silent support. So you play something like Jenga in silence with the goal of encouraging others without using words. You could use facial expressions, a thumbs up, fist bumps, pats on the back, other things to convey an emotion without using words. I do love this idea, but I think it would turn very physically aggressive in my house. Um, We may have to try it anyway. That might be fun, like contact Jenga. (laughs) And one final thing that we do a lot in our home is asking dinner table questions. And there have been times where I have only allowed one person to answer each question I ask. 
So everybody gets a different question. We started doing that because I noticed it was a huge temptation. Even if everyone was listening to the child who was speaking, they all wanted to one up each other's mm. stories after the fact and come up with an even better answer, mm. so to speak. And, yeah, yeah. So that made them stop and listen and just let the moment pass without having to say something. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of adults who like to do the whole one up thing. No yes. matter what you're saying, what you've done, what you know, they've done it better or they know more about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I have I'm this, not sure I've been guilty of that too. No, neither have <laughs> I. My husband, we have this joke where I'm like the conversation ruiner where I always have the worst, most tragic story. So we're talking about something happy and I just got a tragic way to bring it all come crashing down. That's that drama in you, Katie. It must be our dateline. I don't know. (laughs) Have your kids ever come to you with math homework and asked for your help only for you to realize you did a mathematical brain dump the day you graduated high school? Well, I have great news for you parents. Whether you're homeschooling or helping your kids with their math homework after school, CTC Math is an invaluable resource. They have video tutorials and summaries that are concise and really engaging while still fully covering the subject matter. It's like having your own personal math tutor accessible at any time. I have so many favorite things about CTC Math, but just to name a few, I get extensive reports and summaries of my kids' progress, We have access to CTC Math's entire catalog of lessons, not just per grade level, as many online math programs do. And finally, there is a 365-day money-back guarantee, literally no questions asked. If you or your kids need some extra help with math, go to ctcmath.com and sign up for a free trial. Again, that's ctcmath.com. Amanda in Virginia has another question. She says, I don't think you will know this side of eternity, just how valuable your biblical wisdom and insight is. I discovered your book via Ted Tripp when my oldest was two years old, and the practical wisdom you share has truly helped me parent in a biblical way from early on in my parenting journey. So thank you. That's a great endorsement of your book. Mm. She said, I find myself at a loss for how to handle an issue I see in the heart of my second born, an adorable little two-year-old girl named Katie. Katie's are adorable, aren't they? She is an incredibly (laughs) sweet and funny child, but it is already evident that she has a bent toward teasing, playing the victim, and delighting at the misfortune of others. This may sound extreme and exaggerated for a two-year-old, but my husband and I can both clearly see it, especially as she relates to her older brother. Obviously, she's a little too young to understand the motives of her heart, although that doesn't keep us from quoting scripture when correcting her. How can I practically address these issues when they arise? And how can I proactively train her to value and esteem others before herself? Mm. Well, once again, our wise listener has answered her own yeah. question. <laughs> Amanda, you, you guys need to do your own podcast. <laughs> That's right. So Amanda, you asked, how can I practically address these issues as they arise? But Clearly, from what you've stated here, you're already doing it. Mm -hmm. You said that you're teaching your daughter scripture, and scripture teaches God's children to value and esteem others above themselves. There is no better source of wisdom and instruction than the Word of God. So I commend you for pointing your daughter to truth. Yes, she's only two, but they are never too young to start instilling God's truth and wisdom into their hearts. So, Amanda, there are three issues you mentioned in your question. They are, uh, those, those issues are teasing, playing the victim, 
and delighting in the misfortune of others. The goal is to look past those outward behaviors and help your daughter take ownership for the sin in her heart that's driving those outward behaviors. Jesus helped people do that by asking heart-probing questions. So we're wise to follow his example. I'm just going to offer a few suggested questions and scriptures that might help your daughter recognize the sin in her heart and help her consider how her sin is hurting others, namely, in this situation, her brother. Teasing and delighting in the misfortune of others are both selfish in nature because they bring a form of self-satisfaction at the expense of hurting someone else. It's the same with a victim mentality. The focus is on self, not others. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 say that we are to, quote, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. So you might say something like, Honey, in Philippians, we're encouraged to not do things for selfish reasons, but to put the needs of others above our own. Also, we're told in 1 Corinthians that love does not delight in someone else's suffering. Asking your daughter some heart-probing questions is a practical way to help her evaluate her own motives. So maybe ask questions along the lines of, are you delighting in seeing your brother suffer? And are your words showing love to your brother and building him up, or are they tearing him down? Those type of questions will help her think about her words and consider whether or not they're honoring God and others in light of his commands. Another wise verse that applies to this situation is Matthew seven twelve, which says, do to others what you would have them do to you. So you might say something like, sweetheart, we're told in Matthew that we should treat others the way that we want them to treat us. Would you want your brother to treat you this way? How would you feel if your brother treated you this way? Also, when you tease, you're using unwholesome talk that dishonors God and hurts your brother. Ephesians 4.29 warns about this. That verse says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And as always, we don't want to stop our training at telling our kids what not to do. We should always take it a step further and teach them how to replace what is wrong with what is right, because that's what training them in wisdom and righteousness is all about. Ephesians 4.29 is a great verse for teaching them to speak words that edify and build up. You might say, honey, we're told in Ephesians to speak only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Your words they're not benefiting your brother. They're hurting him. Let's pray and ask God to help you to only speak words that will benefit and build up your brother. Now, I do realize that that is a lot of information for a two-year-old to comprehend, but my philosophy is that when they're old enough to indulge in foolish and sinful behavior, they're old enough to start learning and growing in the wisdom and righteousness of God's Word. Mm. Let's keep in mind that the way that our kids learn best is by teaching in the context of the moment. So when they're struggling with sin, let's take every opportunity to redirect them to the way, the truth, and the life. So much wisdom there, Ginger. And I think the only thing I would add is that, as you pointed out, Amanda is already doing what God's Word instructs her to do. So to me, it seems her question might have had a bit of an underlying question of, 
So why are our efforts not making a difference? And Mm -hmm. I think most of our listeners' questions would be along those lines. I'm doing this, this, and this, and none of it has changed the sinful behavior or my child's heart. So my encouragement is just to stay the course. Keep doing exactly what you're doing in love and patience. Ultimately, we are responsible for planting seeds, watering, even helping our kids to pluck weeds, but only God is responsible for the increase. Mm, Amen, Katie. And wouldn't it be nice if we just quoted a few applicable scriptures, ask a couple of heart-probing questions, and our kids responded with, oh, wow, you're absolutely (laughs) right, Mom. My heart is inherently evil and wicked. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. I need to repent and change my selfish ways. And is that how we would respond if we were, you know, made aware of our sin in the moment? That's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Another. Mm, thank you for bringing this to my attention. You're so uh-huh. right. Yeah. Let me repent right now. Yes. And well, that would certainly make our jobs easier mm-hmm. with our kids. But unfortunately, that's just not how it usually plays out with them or us. Right. But we can't let that discourage us to the point of giving up. Like you said, Katie, we press on, we keep going. We have to remember that it's not our job to change the hearts of our children. That's God's job. I think that's where we get discouraged when we don't see that heart change. We think, well, what I'm doing is not doing any good. So we just throw up our hands and quit. But changing their hearts is not our job. It's God's job. A genuine heart change in our children is something that can only happen through the power of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. Our job is to teach, rebuke, correct, and train our children in righteousness through the wisdom of God's Word and to point them to Jesus as their only hope and help. Mm. So we take our children to Scripture, and we take our children to Jesus in prayer, and we ask Jesus to give them wisdom, guidance, and strength to love and serve Him well. Then we trust God to do a work in their hearts as only He can do. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Andrea from New Jersey. She says, I wanted to share a quick tip to all the moms out there struggling with trying to balance a new baby and a toddler. When I brought home my second and third and fourth, I really struggled with not being able to be as available to my older child. So I created a feeding box and packed it full of little activities and treats like fruit snacks, post-it notes, stickers, coloring pages, look and find books, mag tiles, etc. When it was time for the baby to eat, I would call the child over and say, okay, mama needs to sit. Can I spend time with my two babies? I would feed the baby and the older child would tear through the box and chat away at their findings. When the baby was done, I would say, okay, let's pack it up for next time. It really helped to take the focus off of the baby and focus on us all doing life together. It was also a good reminder to me that my baby was not the only one who needed me. Hmm. What a simple solution for something that can uh, wind up being a battle for attention. That's right. Very smart. Listeners, if you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. Listeners, as always, we love getting your questions and thinking through how to biblically shepherd the hearts of our children. So if you have a question you'd like Ginger to answer, just go to gingerhubbard.com slash askginger and submit it there. Ginger, can you leave our listeners with a final word of encouragement? 
Let's seek the Lord for wisdom as we strive to help our children find the balance between the joy of talking and the discipline of listening. Let's teach them to serve God by serving others and to put the needs of others above their own. And let's thank God who has richly provided us with everything we need to train our children in wisdom and righteousness. Thank you so much, Ginger. And thank you listeners for joining us and for submitting your questions. If your church might be interested in hosting Ginger and me for a women's event or bringing Ginger in for a parenting conference, please fill out the contact form at gingerhubbard.com and we'll get back to you with more information. Also on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Not sure which resource to get? Well, today we're offering a bundle deal of all of Ginger's resources at a $25 discount. This includes her parenting books, study guides, the wise words for mom's chart, as well as the CD and digital download of her audio series called Reaching the Heart of Your Child. Listeners, this is a $95 value for only $70. And if you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com, you can get an additional 10% off this already great deal. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. Have you ever been at a total loss for how to explain to your kids some of the really hard things they've seen in our culture or in the news? Sometimes I resort to distraction, like, hey, who wants ice cream? (laughs) Because I'm just not sure how to rightly respond. This is why I'm so excited about a new podcast that is stepping in to meet that need. The podcast is called Concurrently, and each episode is full of practical help so that we can teach our kids how to develop news literacy and biblical discernment. To find out more, visit concurrentlypodcast.com, and you can listen to new episodes of Concurrently every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. When our kids watch secular shows or read secular books, they'll often come across something that directly contradicts the Bible, and they'll ask, is that true, Mom? Did we come from apes? Is the Earth billions of years old? Are there aliens on other planets? Our kids are growing up in a world that desperately needs the light of God's Word, and it's increasingly more important to me that the resources I use to educate my children are from a biblical worldview. I want to give my kids a sound education coupled with a biblical worldview so that they grow into adults who know not only what they believe, but why they believe it. This is why we love BJU Press. They offer trusted resources for homeschooling through video courses or parent-led instruction. Their video courses are taught by knowledgeable and engaging experts in their fields. And what's great about video courses is that all of your kids can work independently and at their own pace. But if facilitating your child's homeschooling is more your speed, BJU Press offers numerous resources so that you can manage the different learning styles of your child, know what your student is learning so you can influence instruction, and create a totally customized learning experience. BJU Press Homeschool offers resources to meet the educational needs of your family in a way that will equip your kids for a life of gospel impact. Go to BJUPressHomeschool.com and get what you need to give your child a solid biblical education. Again, that's BJUPressHomeschool.com.